Hello, and are you ready for shortcuts to public speaking success? My name's Shola Kay, and welcome to episode one of this podcast by the very same name, Shortcuts to Public Speaking Success. And to tell you a little bit about me, I'm a public speaking coach, a professional singer, and a professional speaker based in London. And this podcast came about as the result of a weekly video blog. So this episode is unique in that it's been recorded specifically for listening purposes, whereas other episodes that hopefully you'll listen to in the future have been adapted from my video blog, which is issued once a week on my website, which is com. Now, why did I start doing a video blog? Well, over the last few years, I've been working with a variety of different clients and different companies, helping people with personal impact and public speaking skills. And I felt that it would be quite a fun thing to do for both me and my clients and listeners on my list and Facebook and wherever they are. And I thought it'd be a fun thing to do to try and recall just some a few tips every week that people can listen to. Doesn't take any huge commitment of time, but they can listen to and then hopefully implement to improve their work, to improve their business, to get more leads and more. And I thought that having done the video blog for several weeks or several months, actually, I thought it would be nice to make it available to people in podcast format also, hence why I'm here today. Now, the roadmap for the podcast, as I said, is looking at a variety of different areas, mainly around public speaking, but also touching on things like business networking, looking at how to negotiate fees. And obviously negotiation is a really useful skill to have, whether you're negotiating speaker fees or you're negotiating your next pay rise. In addition to that, I love to share speaking frameworks with my clients. And I've actually got a book which is coming out soon, which is called Speak Up on the Spot, which is full of helpful little frameworks that you can use to help position your argument and come across as clear and concise when you communicate with people. So hopefully those frameworks will be useful to you too. Now I'd love to share a little bit about myself with you because I don't share so much about myself in upcoming episodes, but I figure that here is the place if you're deciding whether you want to commit to listening to these podcasts or move on and go elsewhere, but hopefully you'll commit. And as I said, these podcast episodes will be quite short. Typically, they run from about three minutes to, I think the maximum is about 18 or 20 minutes long. But that's why I've called it shortcuts, because I personally quite like things that are short and sweet, that are packed with benefits and packed with really good information that I can use again and again, but doesn't have to be extended over an hour. Because I know that everyone these days has got so much on their plate, and sometimes we don't have extended amounts of time to commit to listening to podcasts and taking in information. Anyway, back to telling my own personal story. Now, years ago, I had a corporate job. I was working in IT and I was living in the USA and this was my first corporate job. I'd been a teacher before that in London. Then I moved to the States and did a master's degree in, what was it, neuropharmacology and analytical chemistry. Most of it I've forgotten now, (laughs) 
And uh, after that, I thought, well, let me get a corporate job. So I was working as an IT management consultant. Now, I'd never done any consulting before. And the kind of company I was at, it was a smallish company, about 50 people. It was in um, New Jersey. And it was the sort of company that didn't really offer any training to its staff. You'd be taught a little bit on the job if you were lucky, but that was about it. And as somebody who'd never worked in corporate before, I had no idea what I was doing. And in particular, I was asked to do coding. And this was back in the day where people didn't kind of grow up as kids doing a little bit of coding for fun. And I found it all very overwhelming to the extent where my bosses saw me and thought, wow, she's not being very productive, is she? They saw me being a little bit quiet during meetings, not really speaking up and not being as productive as they'd hoped I'd be when they hired me and called me into the boss's office. And uh, I thought, okay, well, great. This is, this is crunch time now because what's probably going to happen is they're going to perhaps send me on a training course or find me a mentor. But in fact, what happened was they put me on probation. And because my visa to be in the USA was attached to my remaining in this job, I was under some pressure. And it was a case of no visa, no party, and I would have had to leave the USA. And luckily for me, one of my colleagues stepped up and helped me. And every morning we got into work a bit earlier and she helped me a little bit with the coding and with general confidence. And I ended up staying in that particular role for another, I think, three and a half or four years. Took another job. This is around the sort of the height of the internet industry. So I took another job in New York City as a project manager for a big internet company. Then I moved back to the UK. And once again, I struggled in the workplace. This time around, I had a job as an account director and I was supposed to be running meetings with C-suite execs and I was supposed to be heading these meetings up, but again, suffered a real crisis of confidence, didn't know what to say in the meetings and I developed some rather ineffective (laughs) coping strategies. So one of these strategies was during the meetings, I'd always volunteer to take notes and I thought, well, if they see me busy, then they'll at least know that I'm contributing. But of course, when you take notes all the time, you're often seen as being in a more subordinate role. And um, that clearly was what people started to think of me. The second thing that I used to do was grin and smile every single time somebody made some sort of useful comment. And again, I thought, well, that's my contribution. I'm grinning, I'm smiling, showing I'm listening. It's all good. And then the third thing I'd do would be nod my head vigorously every single time once again somebody spoke to the extent where I gave myself a bit of a migraine on occasions. And I thought that these three techniques would be enough to to stop people from questioning my presence at the meeting and to sort of paper over the cracks of me not contributing very much. Because I I was at a loss for words in these meetings. I was tongue-tied, didn't quite know what to say. And it was only when I came out of the meetings and didn't have that pressure on me anymore to perform But the idea sort of flowed back into my head and it was, duh, why didn't you say this? Duh, why didn't you say that? And I know that a lot of people experience that. Some of my clients come to me and say the same thing. But back to my story. So this was around the time of September, August 2001. And we all know what happened around that time. It was the time of the Twin Towers incident and... Right after that, the aviation industry went into meltdown. One of our big clients was a big airline. And this all coincided with the six-month anniversary of me being at this company. 
and I was still on probation. I was on a six month probationary period. And I will never forget the day that I was called into my boss's office, sat down and told in no uncertain terms, right, you're not earning your keep here. People don't want to pay your fees. Therefore, you are out. And I remember walking away from that job feeling humiliated, really embarrassed, humiliated, wondering what was next for me and my career, because I'd always been an incredibly hardworking person. I'd been to a couple of really great universities and was just thinking, wow, I've just completely screwed up my entire career. What's next for me? And at the same time, I felt disillusioned and rejected. And I thought, well, I don't want to work in corporate again. I don't think I can handle this. And I had to move out of my flat. I was living in a nice flat in central London, moved out of the flat in with my little sister into her spare bedroom. And it was, yeah, it was a tough time, if I'm honest. And that's when I discovered personal development and I started to go to personal development seminars. I trained to be a life coach and really and truly I was using that training on myself. It wasn't so much at the time for clients, but it was really, well, how can I turn my situation around? And ultimately my sister came to me and said, well, look, you cannot mope around here forever. She's a very independent lady, as I am as well. And I think she wanted her space back. So it really forced me to you know, to think, well, what am I going to do next? I'd cut off a lot of my friends because I was so embarrassed at my poor performance that I thought, well, you know, my friends were doing really well and I just felt like a bit of a failure next to them. So I kind of cut off a lot of my social life and stopped seeing various people. And yeah, it was a bit of a crux time for me. And as I said, started getting into the personal development and ultimately did some training. And I remember reading a book by Brendan Bouchard and in this book he talked about public speaking and about how people can create a following and help others through public speaking and even though I'd had this terrible experience of public speaking in the past something in that book made me just stop and listen and I actually had this really weird experience where I started crying when reading this chapter on public speaking but it wasn't necessarily tears of upset like oh I'm so rubbish at speaking I've screwed up my career it was more like a little sort of wake-up call if you like so it was almost like someone was sort of tapping me on the shoulder and saying hey listen listen there's something here for you around public speaking anyway I completely ignored that little message for a couple of years and in the meantime I had decided that well if corporate wasn't going to work for me I was going to go back to my childhood dream which was of being a professional singer So I started taking singing lessons, got into a band, started developing my own act, mainly singing jazz and then also singing some Motown. And although this was sort of over a decade ago, all this was happening, about 15 years ago, a bit longer actually, I still am a professional singer to this day. So it's something I do at the weekends, singing a bit of jazz, sometimes overseas, sometimes just in the UK, jazz and Motown predominantly. But anyway, all this was going on. I was working as a singer and then I decided, okay, after this experience with the public speaking book, I decided that I would start taking speaking classes and I attended Toastmasters and really enjoyed watching the sessions. And from there, I started having private speaking coaching. I've worked with coaches from Australia, from the USA, from Canada from all over and my first public speaking coach was actually an opera singer 
And he inspired me to take an exam in speaking, which I actually aced and got the top mark in the UK or the USA. No, in the world, actually, <laughs> not just the UK and the USA. And that made me realize, oh, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe this is okay. And from there, I sort of combined my singing training with what I'd learned about speaking and my ideas for speaking. And that's how my business, Speak Up Like a Diva, was born. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called How to Be a Diva at Public Speaking. And I think what I gained from being both a singer and a speaker was understanding that nobody expects every single singer to be the same. You know, if we look at someone like Prince versus Ed Sheeran, both of them have devoted audiences, but no one would ever expect their music, their entertainment value, their performances to be alike. And I think as public speakers, so many of us put pressure on ourselves to hit some sort of target. You know, we see maybe politicians or we see other professional speakers speaking and we think we should be like that. And I think as an artist, you have a much more leeway to do things in your own way. And I think as speakers, we should allow ourselves that same leeway. And so that's why I wrote, part of why I wrote my book, How to Be a Diva at Speaking, because it's not about me being a diva, it's more about an acronym, diva, D-I-V-A. And the D stands for being dynamic, which means being lively on stage, whether that's because you're high energy, maybe it's because you're interactive with your audience, maybe it's because you use very fruity language and lots of rhetorical devices like the rule of three. But we can all be dynamic in our own way. So D is about giving people a little bit of life or a little bit of variety when you're on the stage. I is about storytelling. So I is stands for being inspiring. And typically, it's stories that help inspire our fellow human beings. And if we watch a speaker who's all about facts and figures with no story, no human interest, typically they come across as quite dry, quite dull, not particularly enjoyable to listen to. So I is about making sure you tell stories about using inclusive language that makes sure that everybody feels that they're involved in your presentation. V of Diva is about being valuable, so adding value to your audience's lives. You never want to come away from a talk having listened to a speaker thinking, well, I didn't actually get anything from that. What was that about? So with the right structure and the right content, we know that we will always add value to people who are in our audience. So that's V. And then finally, A is the chestnut of being authentic. It's about being yourself. And to my mind, authentic doesn't mean being the same person all the time. Authentic is about being yourself in that moment. And we all play different roles with different kind of characters and different individuals in our lives and different roles as well. So for example, the person we are at work might be different than the person we are with our partner or the different than the person we are with children or with family members. And I believe that we should be able to call on all of those different personas, if you like, when we're speaking. So we don't have to come across the same way the whole time. But whichever way we come across, what we're doing on stage is authentic to us. So I hope that makes sense. D-I-V-A, dynamic, inspiring, valuable and authentic. And you can read more about that in my book, How to Be a Diva at Public Speaking. But pretty much that encapsulates it. And as I say, I also like to use comparisons with singers because I feel that it just frees us up from having to be perfect and it's more about being ourselves being quirky if that's what we're into 
or being relatable, if that's what we're into, but just doing it our own way. So I hope that makes sense. That's a little bit about my story. And bringing you right up to date, I now, as I said, I work as a professional speaker. So I typically speak on personal impact for people in the technical professions, in STEM, in professional services. And I also speak to women's groups as well about confidence and speaking up and even things like being able to hedge, not feeling you have to answer every single question because quite often we feel that we're obliged to answer fully when maybe it's better, it's in our interest not to do that. I also work with individuals, so typically self-employed people, professionals. My clients have ranged from Grammy-winning record producers to authors to CEOs and to people who have corporate jobs and want to get better and climb up the career ladder. So it really varies, but with everybody I work with, I like to share with them that they need to be themselves first and foremost. And the strength of being a strong communicator comes from knowing your own strengths, knowing who you are, and operating in a way that makes you a better version of you rather than a poor imitation of somebody else. Not that we can't have role models, of course, but I think we've got to find that stability, that strength, that positioning from inside and then enhance that with what we learn, what we see, and so on. So that's it from me. I hope that you enjoyed this first episode and that you will listen to others that follow. This is a kind of longer one than typically, but I hope that hasn't put you off, hasn't deterred you. And that's it really. Shortcuts to public speaking success. Now, if you want to find out a bit more about me, you can always go to my website, which is sholakaye.com. And if you want a freebie that you can download, I've got a couple for you. If you go to my website, you'll see on the homepage, there's a button that you can click to download a freebie, which is called, I think it's called 27 Places to Find Speaking Gigs. So if you're looking for speaking opportunities, and I recommend that everybody who wants to get better as a speaker, that they practice in front of an audience. If you're looking for that, whether you're a beginner, an intermediate speaker, or more advanced, there are tips there for you on how and where to find speaking opportunities. Or if you're speaking already and you want some more concrete tips that will help make you a better speaker, I've also got another document which is called Seven Audience Turnoffs and How to Win Your Audience Back. And a lot of people are motivated by not wanting to do bad rather than wanting to do good. So that's why it's, it's phrased in the negative. But there's plenty there to learn from and plenty to improve your speaking. So if you want that particular freebie, you can go to sholakay.com slash seven turnoffs. So seven turnoffs, all one word, T-U-R-N-O-F-F-S and seven is number seven. So that's it, a couple of freebies from me. I do hope to see you or at least for you to be hearing (laughs) upcoming episodes of the podcast. And all I can say to you is to keep on speaking up and I want you to have every success with your public speaking. So take care, that's it from me from now and I will speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye.